I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 8. I'd like to speak to you about the story of Jesus calming the storm. Now, I've got to say that on two occasions in my life, I've actually felt like I wanted to die. And both involve being seasick. I don't know if you've ever been seasick, but it's absolutely horrible because it doesn't stop till the motion of the boat stops. I remember crossing the English Channel um, further down than Dover and Cali, I think it was about a five hour crossing. And my wife said, I actually look green. <laughs> now my family are Irish, so that didn't go down too badly, but really it was just awful. I was calculating if I jumped overboard, could I swim ashore? Uh, it was awful. And then another occasion I was going to Sweden in a boat, a ship, and um, I went up on deck in the night and for some fresh air and the sea came up and the sea went down and by the time the sea came up again, I was ill. So I've got great sympathy to any stories to do with boats and storms because I don't enjoy that at all. Uh, this is a very um, important story for, for very many reasons. I had thought to speak on the calming of the storm and also to speak about the deliverance of legion, which follows on. One is showing us the Lordship of Christ over the creation. The other is showing the Lordship of Christ over the spiritual world. But when I started to look at this, it just wasn't gonna do, I couldn't do both in one morning. So a, a future occasion, God willing, I'll have a little look at that story. So let me read to you from Luke chapter eight and verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake um, so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging water and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this who commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Great story. Let me pray, please. Father, we thank you this morning for all that we've heard about. We thank you for the dedication that's taken place. We thank you for our worship, the opportunity to give of our substance. And we ask, Lord, now that as we look to your word, that you'll speak to us. There may be people in this room who don't believe you'll, you speak to people. Well, Lord, will you surprise them this morning and speak to them? There's gonna be others who we've heard your voice through scripture many times. May we not nod off as it were, but stay alert to hear what the Holy Spirit might say. So we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. The background to this story is that Jesus had been doing a lot of preaching and teaching. It says in Mark 4 and verse 35 that when evening came, so we've got to set the scene for this. It was the evening time. So it would look as if they were getting into the boat in the evening and it's possible that this storm took place uh, in the dark. Now I would think a storm is bad enough, but to be in the dark and not be able to see the land would be even to me a bit more uh, terrifying. So when evening came, they got into a boat. It tells us in verse 36 of Mark 4 that other boats were with him. So there were gonna be a group of people who were going to um, be in the storm along with the boat that Jesus was in. 
And then lastly, it says in verse 36 that they got him in the boat just as he was. It seemed this was quite a quick thing. Jesus said, I want to go to the other side in a boat and they quickly got him in. Very little preparation. I think someone didn't look at the weather forecast on the BBC (laughs) or maybe they might not have set off. But anyway, they are a group of people, a group of boats. It's in the evening, so possibly the storm came at night and um, it was quite a, a, not a rush job, but it, very little preparation for this, for this occasion. And we then turn to Luke and we say that one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Now the purpose for Christ going to the other side of the lake is in chapter one, chapter eight, verse one. Jesus traveled from town, one town to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This was part of his ministry. He was traveling around proclaiming the good news of God. And of course, that's what the church is here for today, to continue that ministry of the good news of the kingdom of God. And if you're not a Christian this morning, we hope maybe that good news might affect your life in some way today. So he was fulfilling his ministry. He was taking an opportunity to travel across by the lake, which would give him some moments of rest before the crowds would appear. And they are there. So he says, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So this was Jesus' idea. This wasn't an idea of the disciples. They didn't put their heads together and said, you know what, I fancy going on a boat. Let's go across to there or to there. This was the instruction of Jesus. Now that is vital to understanding this story because they were doing the will of God. They were doing the will of Christ in this. Jesus travelled from town to town. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. So it was Christ's instruction, therefore they were in Christ's will. So it wasn't a vote, they didn't take a vote. He said, I'd like to go, they got it ready and over they went to the other side. Then it says very simply, as they got into the boat and set out, they sailed, he fell asleep. Now, my wife gets quite cross with me because I because I nod off occasionally in the evening, about half past six, I tend to nod off. Now I told her this is a spiritual gift where I, where I commune with the Lord. I, I hope she's listening now because she may have more compassion on me should this happen again. So I'm very grateful that Jesus fell asleep. Now the fact it was in the evening at night, I don't, don't count that because it won't help me at home but I had been known to nod off. And Jesus was tired. He'd been ministering and it was in the evening and quite understandable. So you might say, well, what's remarkable about Jesus falling asleep? Well, it's not remarkable at all because he worked, he traveled. There was so much he was doing. The great thing is this, that it does show us an insight into the humanity of Christ. The great truth of the doctrine of the deity of Christ is that he was 100% God and 100% man. Now, those of you who did maths in school, Um, you'll realise that that doesn't work, Gordon. It can't be two 100. Well, it is. That's the mystery of godliness that Paul talks about. The mystery of godliness, Christ in the flesh. So we have 100% God, we have 100% man, and the, the humanity of Christ got tired. Now, to me, that doesn't diminish Jesus. I, that, it, that, that helps me because with, when I nod off, I think, well, I'm in good company here. But you know, his humanity, he was hungry. He was tired. He wept. He suffered pain. He did eventually die and rise again. So every experience, there were family challenges. He lost his, um, his earthly father, Joseph, at a young age and all sorts of emotions there. And he, that doesn't diminish him. 
And when you're sitting here thinking, well, you know, does God understand? Let me tell you, He understands. He understands. The other thought you might have is if Jesus was asleep, well, who was looking after the universe, you know? Well, the Old Testament tells us that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. So how can we work this? Jesus is the Son of God and He's asleep and the Psalmist tells us that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. What's going on? Well, very simply, Jesus was asleep but the Father was wide awake. So the Father was looking after things. He was, Jesus was doing the will of His Father. The moment Jesus stepped out of heaven and took upon Himself earthly form in the incarnation, we remember at Christmas, at that time, He would make Himself subject to such things as tiredness. He fell asleep. That's a great thing because He wasn't concerned of what was happening around Him. The storm never woke Him up. The disciples woke Him up. Now, I don't know about you, but I was on a boat and a storm was coming up. I'd wake up quickly. I'd be counting the life jackets and how many people were on the boat. And I'd say, women and children and clergy first. <laughs> very, very simply. And uh, Scott and Gabriel, they can wait till I've got mine, you know, um, in that way. But Jesus was asleep. The storm didn't wake him, but the disciples did. And that helps me once again understand the great confidence Jesus had in the Father's plan and the Father's will. You see, Jesus did not have an appointment with drowning. He had an appointment with crucifixion. And everything else between those two points really didn't matter. He had an appointment with the cross. And no matter what was going to happen, he had that confidence. He could sleep because he wasn't going to drown because he was in the Father's will and the Father's will that he would die upon a cross for our sins that we might be forgiven. And there he is asleep in the boat. Of course, the disciples then became very, um, very disturbed. We are told there that they, uh, it tells us then that a squall came down. Squall brings with it the sense of a very sudden uh, storm upon the sea. A lot of commentators spend a lot of time talking about the mountains and the wind. and I couldn't really understand it. All I know is it came quickly. Not a loo. This came quickly. It took people by surprise. Jesus is asleep and the squall comes down on the lake. And it tells us that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. So Scripture doesn't minimise it. It tells us the fact that they were in great danger. Uh, no way around it. This was serious. And here we have some of them were fishermen and they were worried as well as those that were land lovers like myself. And the danger is there. And that word danger is in Luke's Gospel. That's how serious it was. And without wanting to sound flippant, they're in great danger. The boat's about to be swamped and Jesus is asleep. Come on now. Jesus needs to get active in this. I dread to think what sort of daft ideas went through the disciples' minds as they waited. But he fell asleep and his humanity was shared and his confidence in God was shared and they were in great danger. No diminishing the serious of the situation. Well, in verse 24, we know what happened. The disciples went and woke him and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Again, where was their faith was the question that was going to be asked later. Can a ship sink if Jesus is in it? Is it possible that the Creator, the one who is serving God, who is fulfilling His will, who is preaching the kingdom, is there any way? Now, let's be quite honest. 
Storms can happen to godly people. And there are people here today who are thinking, do you know, Gordon, I'm in the middle of a storm. I'm facing a storm at the moment. They were afraid and they woke Jesus. They woke him with the words very simply, Master, Master, we're going to drown. No faith in there, no assurance, no confidence. They didn't sit there and think, well, if he's asleep, we're all right. You know, well, if he can sleep through this, I'm sure we'll survive. Let's sit back and just trust. No, no, no. Now, I have got to say, I'm not sure I would have done any different to these disciples. You know, and the storms of life come. We've had storms in our life as a family. And my wife and I have had experienced storms and different challenges we faced. I must say that I was very interested to read about um, Gabriel's, uh, you have a joint account with your wife. My wife and I have a joint account, but she has one of her own as well. Now, I'm, can I send her down for counselling, please? Because it doesn't seem right, because we've got our money and then she's got her millions. Well, it could be millions. I don't know. I've rung the bank, but they won't tell me. And I don't speak French, and that's where the bank is in Switzerland. So I don't know. So I'll book her in. Book her in. I'm not coming because I'm perfect, but she can, she can turn up. No, storms take place. Storms in a home, in a family. Sorry, in a marriage. Storms with your children, who knows? The storms are, are there. Work, education, the whole challenge is there. We've seen the, the storm that New Zealand has faced. We see the storms that our nation, Brexit and all the rest that it's taking off. There are storms everywhere. And we find that this storm, they said, Master, we're going to drown. Well, very simply, it tells us there, Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. But you know, in Mark 4, it tells us some other things that the disciples said. So in Luke, it says, you know, wake up, we're going to drown. In, Mark, in Matthew 8, 25, it says, Lord, save us, we're about to drown. So they looked to Jesus to save them from the situation. But in Mark 4, 30, it says, don't you care? Because he was asleep and they were in the storm, because they had fear of, of drowning, they actually said to Jesus that his sleeping was not a sign of faith or confidence in God's will. They took it as a sign that he doesn't care. May I say, and some of you are going through storms, I don't need any prophetic help with that. And a group this size, there are folk going through storms, let me tell you. Please don't ever assume that because you're going through a storm, he doesn't care. He always cares for you. He always loves you. And if you ever doubt that, when the waves are up here and you're down here, think about what he did on the cross and your boat will float again. Your float will rise because having given his life for us, how on earth could I ask any more of him than he's already done? Every blessing after my salvation and forgiveness is extra and a blessing in that way. Don't you care, we're about to drown, save us. The whole emotion of the situation was there. So they woke him and that's it. Now, 
interesting to note, and I didn't say this in the first service, interesting to note the order in which Jesus deals with the situation. He doesn't deal with the disciples first, he deals with the problem first. He didn't start saying, oh, you terrible folk, why is your faith? Shouldn't you trust me? Didn't you know that if I was asleep, everything was in control? I don't have to be awake, you know, for God to be in control. He didn't have a go at them. He didn't. He challenged them later. His first response was to answer their need. We're going to drown. Don't you care? Save us. So Jesus got up and dealt with the problem. He dealt with the situation. It says there, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. But again, the other gospel writers help us. It says in 24, as I say, he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided. In Mark again, Mark says, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. I once heard a preacher say that when Jesus stood in the boat and said, quiet, be still, the wind and the waves didn't know if he was talking to them or the disciples. <laughs> so they thought, just in case it's us, we'll be quiet, be calm, and we'll be still. And those words, be calm and be still, were as relevant to the disciples as it was to the wind and the waves. To the wind and the waves, it was a rebuke. They came under his lordship. He was the creator. End of story. They did as they were told because of the one who spoke to them. But it also, I think, could have applied to the disciples who are thinking, don't you care? We're about to drown. There was this fear. And he comes and he says, peace be still. And for those of you who are going through something, now he wasn't talking to the disciples. He was talking to the wind and the waves. But may I use those words to say to you, be quiet, be still, be calm. The Old Testament speaks about stand still and see the salvation of your God. Sometimes there's a place where we have just to stand there and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to cope. This storm is just too much for me. Will you please step in? Now, I'd like to say that every storm will be stilled instantly by Jesus, but that's not the case. Some storms, you know, are God sent. God sent. Storms of uh, correction. Jonah was running away from God. God sent a storm of correction. He was heaved overboard and the story of the fish, etc., follows on from there. But that was a storm of, of correction. But this was a storm, I believe, of perfection. Jesus wanted to test them. He, because he speaks to them about their faith, he wanted to develop in them an understanding of the purposes of God. You say, well, Gordon, it's, it's all right for you to say that. You're not where I am. No, I'm not. And please, I'm very sympathetic to that. I'm not where you are. But I can't change the story for you. Jesus is in control. Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still on the throne. I don't know how high the waves are. I don't know how small the boat, but in your life, if Jesus is in it, you're safe. You're safe. Save us, he said, and he saved them. When I was writing out my notes, an old chorus came to mind that we used to sing in Sunday school. I, well, the Sunday school I used to sing, it's, with Christ in the vessel, you can 
Smile, thank you. You don't look old enough. <laughs> you, um, with Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm, smile at the storm, smile at the storm. With Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm as we go sailing home. Now, let's have a hands up those who would like me to sing that. Would you like to put your hands up? Thank you. Those who would rather I didn't. They're all the people who've never heard me sing or have heard, or have heard me sing. Well, it's very simple. With Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm, smile at the storm, smile at the storm. With Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm as we go sailing home. RT. I just hope my wife isn't watching this. She'd say you were doing all right till you started to sing. Well, do you know, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm? Well, maybe not. But with Christ in the vessel, we're not going to be frightened of the storm. But that's the song that many of us taught and we sang, and some of you did in that way. May I say there is no extra charge for the singing? <laughs> and if Pastor Collins watching this, you know, please have that one for Christmas, you know, in that way. You know, he's in the boat, he stands up, he calms the storm. Having spoken to the problem, he now speaks to the disciples. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Um, may I say, where is your faith today? Your faith may be in your own ability. And we all have abilities. I was brought up to stand on my own two feet, deal with it. And it's worked against faith in my life so many times when I've just dealt with things myself. And I'm sure when I speak to the Lord, or should I say the Lord speaks to me, he's going to say, do you know, Gordon, I could have helped you a lot more if you'd only let me. Well, Lord, I was standing on my own two feet. Well, stand on it, but I could have helped you with that burden. I could have answered that prayer if you'd only asked me. But there we are. So he said, where is your faith? See, the issue here wasn't obedience. No one was disobedient. They were in God's will. No one had said anything really bad. They were just frightened and Christ understands that. And so he got up and he said, where is your faith? He asked the disciples. Having calmed the storm, where is your faith? And that's the essence of it all. Of course it has to be because it's what Jesus said it was. That when we come at those moments where we feel we're overwhelmed and we wonder, will I get through? Please, Remember, he's going to ask you, where was your faith? Now, please, if you've had the letter from the doctors and it's not good news, I'm not saying ignore that. No, go with the doctor. Do all they say. We're not talking about some stupid, it's not faith in faith. It's faith in the Lord Jesus. And he can be with you in every situation. If you're walking into the doctor's surgery, he's with you. If you're going to see the solicitor, he's with you. If you're talking to the funeral director, He's with you. Those storms, he may seem he's asleep. You may be thinking, doesn't he care? He does. He's with you. And just because it seems he's asleep, he's still Lord. Thinking of an illustration for this, I just thought about our Queen, Her Majesty. Does the Queen stop being sovereign when she's asleep? Of course not. 
She doesn't suddenly wake up and think, oh, oh, that was nice. I wasn't queen for a few hours. <laughs> and it's the same with God. He's always Lord. He's always sovereign. Well, the response to this was quite amazing for the group because they actually exchanged one sort of fear for another sort of fear. One negative, one positive. Before they were frightened that they would drown savers. Now in this verse uh, 25, where is your faith, he asked the disciples, in fear and amazement. So one minute, it's pure fear, we're going to drown. Now it's fear and amazement. Something's been, well, it's a different type of fear. Before it was fear of drowning, it was a fear of death, it was a fear of all the, the, the consequences that the storm could bring about. But now there was, and I, my vocabulary won't allow me to find a better word. It was almost a holy fear. Before it was a frightened fear. It was a fear that made them cower. We're going to die. But now it was a fear that made them bow as they recognised who was in their midst. In fear and amazement. The two can go together. When we are amazed by God, hopefully there comes upon us a sense of fear, not fear of cowering, fear of punishment, but fear of the presence of the one whom we serve. And what was the question they asked? Who is this? And I have to give a title, and that's the question. Do you know who he is? They, they were still discovering it. We've got the whole Bible to help us. Some of us are, are there already. And they're sitting there or standing there and the danger's gone. The wind has stopped. The calm has arrived. The danger has succeeded. Who is this? Hang on a minute. He's the guy that was asleep. He's the guy who got tired. He's the guy that worked in a carpenter shop till he, till he was 30. This is the guy. What, and now, creation obeys him. <laughs> 